G'day and welcome to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigau and on this show we're examining biblical concepts and ideas and asking ourselves the important question, is it relevant today? Or is it as outdated and ridiculous as disposable cameras? Giza and Zasalt Pilati were in their early 40s and they weren't doing too well. In fact, they would often frequent the local homeless centre to get some food and some help. They actually lived in a cave, but one day they were contacted by a lawyer from Germany. This lawyer had some amazing news for them. They were told that they had inherited six billion dollars. That's billion with a B. Can you imagine how they would have felt when they found this out? Giza actually said, We know that our mother came from a wealthy family, but she was a difficult person and she severed ties with them. And later, she abandoned us. But now, they found out that they inherited six billion dollars. An inheritance is an unusual thing. And people have interesting ways of disposing of them. For example, Luis Carlos was a Portuguese aristocrat. He decided to hand out his fortune by selecting 70 names at random from a phone book. It's no surprise that when these people were actually contacted, many of them thought that they were being scammed. Nina Wang was reported to be the richest woman in Asia, and she had planned to give her inheritance to the needy and to other charities. However, when she developed cervical cancer, she changed her will and decided to give her billions to a Feng Shui master in exchange for his promise of eternal life. Now, Jack Benny was an American comedian, and when he died, he did an interesting thing with his inheritance. He arranged to have one single long-stemmed rose delivered to his wife every day for the rest of her life. Leona Hemsley decided to give $12 million to her Maltese dog named Trouble. Now, the dog was nine years old at the time, and a judge actually overturned this and said, the dog can only have $2 million. When the people found out about this, many death threats were made towards the dog and some even threatened to kidnap him, so the dog had to go into hiding. Now, William Shakespeare doesn't seem to have loved his wife very much. When he died, he gave the bulk of his estate to one of his daughters and to his wife, he wrote that she can have the second best bed in our house. Now, God also has a particular way of handing out the inheritance of His people. Stay with us after these songs and we'll find out what it is. I am weak, but Thou art strong.
Is it relevant today? You're listening to Maria Strigau, and today we're looking at inheritances. For the Israelite nation, God had a specific way of handing out their land to them, and He arranged it in such a way that this land could never leave from the family. You see, God always wanted everyone to have their inheritance. In fact, He'd given them a number of very specific rules about what they can and can't do with their property when they're finding themselves in financial trouble. In Leviticus chapter 25 verse 23 it reads the land shall not be sold permanently for this land is mine and you are strangers essentially what god is saying is this is my land you cannot sell it permanently i want the land to always remain in your family so when someone sold their land there were always provisions made for this land to come back to them We read in verse 25 it says if one of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possession and if his redeeming relative comes to redeem it then he may redeem what his brother has sold Essentially what this means is that if I want to sell my land to someone and my brother says no I don't want you not to have land I'm going to buy it back from this person that person could not refuse to sell the land back they had to by law sell the land back it continues in verse 26 and says or if the man has no one to redeem it but he himself becomes able to redeem it 
Then let him count the years since its sale and restore the remainder to the man to whom he sold it, that he may return to his possession. Essentially, what this meant is that if at any time I wanted to buy my property back from the person I had sold it to, they had to sell it back to me. And if I was unable to buy it back after a certain period of time, God Himself would redeem the land for me. You see, God had arranged the year of jubilee in which all properties went back to their owners. We read in verse twenty-eight. If he's not able to have it restored to himself, then what was sold shall remain in the hands of him who bought it until the year of jubilee, and in the jubilee it shall be released and return to his possession. As you can imagine, the price of land for sale was always with the year of jubilee in mind. A piece of land sold just before the year of jubilee would be worth. Far less than that exact same piece of land sold immediately after the year of jubilee. God wanted His people to always be able to redeem their inheritance back, and we find an amazing story of redemption in the book of Ruth. Now, verse one and two in the book of Ruth read: Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell. In the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Machlon and Chilion. Now, we're told that the Book of Ruth transpires somewhere in the period of the Judges. We're not exactly sure where this book of Ruth falls in the Judges, and there's a little bit of contention among scholars as to exactly where it falls. I personally believe that it's somewhere in the time of Gideon. We're told that there was a famine in the land, and some people have suggested that this wasn't a weather phenomenon, but in fact this referred to when the Midianites would come and steal their harvest, thus causing a famine. Whatever the reason was, Elimelech and his family went to Moab, where he believed he would find a better life. Now, in biblical times, names had a specific meaning associated with them. They were often given to praise God. They were sometimes given as an aspiration their parents had for their particular child, and sometimes they were given to name certain characteristics that they saw in the baby. For example, Elimelech means God is king. The name Naomi means pleasant. I can imagine that when she was born, she was a really awesome child that slept through the night from the day she was born. Really, a pleasant young girl, and her family thought, you know what, we're going to call her Pleasant. However, the names of their two sons speak an interesting story. Machlon means sickly, and Chilion means wasting away. I can imagine that when these boys were born, their parents were like, "Oh, this one looks really sick, and this one appears as he's wasting away." The family ended up going to Moab. Now, the boys found two girls to marry. Their names were Orpha and Ruth. And after a period of time, Elimelech died. And then, unsurprisingly, the boy's name, sickly and wasting away, eventually wasted away, and they also died. And one may rightfully ask, what does this have to do with me today? How is this relevant to me today? 
We'll find out just after this song. Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. You're listening to Marius Jigger, and today we've been looking at the topic of inheritances. We've discovered that God put in place a system so that the Israelite family could not lose their inheritance permanently. And we're now going to see how this played out in the life of Naomi and Ruth. Now, before we continue, I just wanted to remind you of our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today? where we have video presentations of all our radio shows and more. To check it out, search Is It Relevant Today? or Marius Jigau. That's M-A-R-I-U-S-J-I-G-A-U. After Naomi lost both her sons and her husband, she heard that the famine was over in Bethlehem. Now, whether this was because Gideon had driven the Midianites away, or whether it was for other reasons, she decided, you know what, I'm going back home. Things haven't been going too well for me here in Moab at all. So she made her way back. And as the custom was, Orpha and Ruth walked with her on the way back home. Now, after she had walked a certain distance, Naomi said, 
You've walked far enough with me. It's time for you to return home. At which time both of the girls said, No, we're not going to go home. We are going to come with you. To which Naomi said, Don't come with me. I don't have any more sons in my womb. And even if I did, are you going to wait for them to grow up and marry them? Don't be ridiculous. Go back home and start a family of your own. And here, Ruth says one of the most amazing statements of loyalty that's found anywhere in the Bible. She says, Entreat me not to leave you, or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And she follows this by a phrase that indicates an oath, which says, The Lord do so to me, and more also. Now you find this statement 12 times in the Bible, where an oath is being taken. And she continues by saying, If anything but death parts you from me. The book of Ruth is more than just a book describing the story of Ruth and Naomi. The book of Ruth is filled with something called typology. Things that point to the future. Now, I love the Bible for this reason. I really love the fact that the stories in the Bible, from beginning to end, fit in like a glove. Now, I'm a little obsessive. I like things to be arranged neatly and to fit in perfectly. And this is one of the things that I just love about the Bible. You see, the first two chapters of the Bible is the perfect world that God created. The last two chapters is the perfect world that God will recreate. At the beginning, you have Abel, who was representing a form of worship that God had ordained, in contrast with Cain, which had a form of worship which man had ordained. At the end of time, you have a true form of worship in contrast with a man-made form of worship. Cain receives a mark, and at the end there will be a mark. The stories in the Bible fit in together like a glove. One of the things we often find in the Bible are people that typify Christ. For example, Abraham went to sacrifice his son. You have Moses, who went out of Egypt just as Jesus came out of Egypt. He went through the Red Sea as Jesus was baptized. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 prophetic days, and Jesus wandered in the wilderness for 40 actual days. In fact, you have a number of individuals who typify Christ in the Bible. You have Adam, you have Abel, you have Noah and Abraham, you have Moses and Joseph, and you have, amongst others, Boaz. Boaz is the central male figure that's found in the book of Ruth, and he typifies Christ. Now you have Naomi typifying the Hebrew people, and you have Ruth who's typifying the Gentiles. And they are coming out of the land where things haven't been going well for them, and they are heading towards the promised land. And as they come to the promised land, they meet Boaz, who is a type of Christ. Now we'll see how this plays out just after this song. My heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grace that I found in you. And Lord, I've come 
Is it relevant today? I'm Marius Jigel, and today we're continuing to look at the inheritance of Naomi and Ruth, who were on their way back to Bethlehem. Now, when they arrive there, Ruth says to Naomi, she says, Please let me go to the field and glean the heads of grain after him in whose size I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field of the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field which belonged to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now, essentially what Ruth is doing here is she's using the Hebrew welfare system. She's using the system they have in place to take care of those who are poor. And what this entailed would be, 
they would go into the field after the reapers and they would collect what the reapers had missed when they first went through. Essentially, the reapers weren't allowed to go back a second time over the field and collect what they had missed the first time. They were also instructed not to harvest the edges of the field and leave some in place for those who were poor. And this is what Ruth is doing here. She would go and she would find a handful here and a handful they missed there and together it would all add up to a little bit of food at the end of the day. It wasn't much, but it was something. There's a phrase I really like in verse 3 of chapter 2. And I actually believe that the author of Ruth is trying to be a little bit humorous. It says that Ruth happened to come to the part of the field that belonged to Boaz. It's interesting that it says she happened to come, like it kind of happened by accident. Many times in our life, God is working for us, and to us it appears that it just happened that way. You know, I just happened to survive an accident where my car hit a tree at 145 kilometers an hour. I just happened to have more honey in my hive after I had prayed for honey than I had ever had before at a time when there shouldn't have really been much honey there at all. In the time of Esther, it just happened to be that Ahasuerus was unable to sleep one night. And this way he found out about what Mordecai had done for him. There just happened to be a fish there to swallow up Jonah. Many times in our life, when things appear just to happen, it's actually God behind the scenes, working things out for our good. And I believe that this is what's happening here. Now, after she began gleaning, Boaz saw Ruth, and he started asking his workers, Who's this lady? I haven't seen her before. And they told him, Oh, she's with Naomi. She's a Moabite lady. And he found out all about her. He found out that she's a nice, kind, loyal young lady. And then he asked her to eat with him. One would consider this to be their first date. And here, Boaz offers her some bread dipped in a sour wine. Now, some biblical versions translate it as sour wine, other versions as vinegar. But what it was, it was actually a sour wine. So essentially, Boaz, who was typifying Christ, is giving Ruth bread and wine to eat and drink. And then he says to Ruth, You know what? Why don't you stay in my fields? Just glean in my fields. Jesus wants us to stay in his home. He wants us to be with him. And then Boaz instructs his young men, his reapers, by saying, Let her even glean among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also, let some grain fall from the bundles purposefully for her, and leave it that she may take it, and do not rebuke her. You see, when we come to work in Jesus' field, he gives us a little bit extra. You see, he'll drop a little bit extra for us here on purpose. Now, I can only imagine that night when Ruth went home to Naomi, bringing approximately 20 litres of barley, which is a huge amount to glean in one day, that Naomi was like, wow, how did you get so much? And Ruth tells her about Boaz. And then she says, you know what? It almost appears like these men are letting sheaves fall on purpose. Obviously they're not, but it kind of seems that I'm getting more than I should be. And Naomi started catching on and she's probably thinking, you know what, I think he likes you. 
And she discovered that he actually has the right to redeem her. And she tells her to uncover his feet that night and to go lay down next to his feet. Now, I thought this was an unusual thing to do. But she listens to her and goes and does it. And when Boaz wakes up, no doubt because his feet were cold, he sees someone there and says, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. And what follows is the only place in the Bible I've found where a woman is proposing to a man. She says, Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Essentially what she's saying to him is, You can marry me and redeem us. And Boaz replies to her by saying, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do all that you have requested, for all the people in my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now, it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. It seems that Boaz is one step ahead of her. He's already found out that he can redeem, but he knows that there's someone else first in line. And he goes and talks to this guy, and he says, You know what? Elimelech and his sons have died. Therefore, you have the right to redeem their property. I'm sure the guy was like, sweet, more property. I'll definitely do it. But then Boaz was like, there's just one little thing. One of their sons was married to this young Moabite lady. And when you redeem the land, you have to marry her. Now, the Hebrews didn't like the Moabites at all. In fact, there was a curse placed upon the people of Moab for 10 generations because they wouldn't allow the people of Israel to pass through the land. And when he heard that he would have to marry Ruth, he was like, "Uh, you know what? Um, I thought I was able to buy it, but now after thinking a little bit, hmm, uh, actually, I can't do it. And Boaz was like, that's fine. In that case... I will redeem her. Boaz is a type of Christ. He's a mighty man of wealth. In fact, he could be referred to as the Lord of the harvest. He's from the tribe of Judah, just as Jesus was. He's actually from Bethlehem. He is a provider. He's a provider to both Ruth, representing the Gentiles, and Naomi, representing the Jews. He is a comforter. In their time of need and trouble, he comforted them both. And he was a near kinsman. You see, when Adam and Eve sold their inheritance to Satan, when Satan became the ruler of this world, Jesus said, I will come down, I will become one of them, and I will have the right to redeem them. Boaz kept the law. He didn't circumvent the law to try to have Ruth as his wife. No, he kept the law. He went and he spoke to the person who had the right before him first. And he redeemed his bride. Jesus has come and has redeemed his church. He has redeemed each and every one of us. And Boaz married his bride. In a similar way, when Jesus returns, we, his church, will be united with him. I can't wait for that day. Now stay with us after this song and we'll see what this has to do with a 67-year-old homeless man and with you and I.
Is it relevant today? Right here on Faith FM. Today we've been looking at inheritances and the story of Ruth. We found out that Boaz is a type of Christ and that his redeeming Ruth and Naomi typifies how Jesus redeemed both the Jewish people and the Gentiles or the non-Jews. Thomas Martinez was really struggling in life. In fact, he was 67 years old He was homeless and had a drug and alcohol problem. He remembered better times. He used to be married with this lady, but as often happens in our world today, he decided to leave her. Now, she didn't hold this against him. In fact, when she inherited a large sum of money, she decided to put him in her will. And when she passed away, she gave him six million dollars. Now, the police had the job of finding him, and when they finally found him, they said, Hey, there is six million dollars that you have inherited. Come with us, and we can arrange for you to collect it. When Thomas heard this, you had expected him to be like, Yes, I'm rich. But no, what he did was he ran away. He didn't believe the police. He thought that they were trying to trick him and arrest him for his drug and alcohol problems. Thomas is still living in poverty, despite the fact that he has a huge inheritance that he can claim at any time. When I think of the story of Boaz, it seems pretty clear to me from the beginning that Boaz just wanted the girl. He didn't care that she was from Moab. He didn't care that she was poor. He appeared to just love her and he wanted to marry her. In a similar way, Jesus just wants you. He doesn't care about your past. He doesn't care about the things you've done. He doesn't care about the way that other people look at you. He looks at you and says, you know what? In Him, there is something amazing. 
There's something about her that's just wow. She has these traits which are just amazing. I want them to be in my kingdom. And Jesus has come and redeemed us. He has offered us an amazing inheritance. What the enemy is trying to do is he's trying to deceive us. He's trying to get us to focus on our addictions, on our problems that we have, and he's trying to entice us to run away from our rightful inheritance, just as Thomas did. I want to invite you today to think about the inheritance that Jesus has for you. In the new Jerusalem, there's a place there just for you. In the new earth, God has a space allotted just for you. All we need to do is to claim it. Could it be that we may be so foolish to do what Thomas Martinez has done and to run away from our rightful inheritance? I want to invite you today to think about what Jesus has done for you, to think about the inheritance that He has put aside for you, and just to reach out your hand and to claim it as your very own. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the inheritance that you give us. We thank you, Lord, that you love us so much and don't care about other things that you just want us. Lord, we want to be part of your kingdom and we pray that you give us the strength to come and to claim our inheritance. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you for listening today and don't forget to visit our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today? where we have video presentations on a number of topics including the one we've just been talking about called I Inherit What? We look forward to seeing you next week. I'm Marius Jigau. God bless, and I hope you have a magnificent day. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Was lost, but now.
given A virgin will conceive A human baby bearing undiminished deity The glory of the nations A light for all to see And hope for all who will embrace His warm reality You've been listening to Is It Relevant Today? If you have any questions or comments, please leave them on our Facebook page, Is It Relevant?
relevant today. But for now, thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next week. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and His love.